When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything is Black and White, the podcast from the Chronicle all about Newcastle United. I'm Chris Scott, this week in for Neil Cameron, who's away in sunny Spain. But I am sitting in the studio today with um, Mark Douglas, our Newcastle United editor. Hiya, Mark. Hi, how are you doing? And Lee Ryder, our chief sports writer. Hiya, Lee. How are you doing? Now, lads, before we move on to the game on Wednesday night, uh, pre-match, I was a little bit annoyed when I saw the team sheets and saw that Palace had made 11 changes to the lineup. Now, I saw that Newcastle also made several changes, but a lot of them were forced. This competition surely represents the best chance for both these teams to win a bit of silverware this season. Doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Mark, can you explain um, that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with Palace, uh, ironically, having Newcastle having said, you know, we, we're, uh, we, we, we're, we're focusing on the league because, you know, because that's the most important thing. I think Palace actually, despite them doing better in the league than Newcastle, have taken this attitude that, you know, we, we, we've got to put the Premier League at the, at the head of everything. That's their kind of argument. I, I don't know. I mean, the problem is, you know, you actually look at the attendances for these League Cup games and they were all down. And there is there is maybe a wider issue about the League Cup. I don't like what Newcastle United did. I don't like what they said about the, the tournament, what they said about the competition uh, a bit ago, but maybe there is an argument that the, the, the tournament just needs to be looked at, the competition needs to be looked at, um, because it's not a coincidence that every club is doing it. And I actually think, funnily enough, I actually think Newcastle deserve a lot of credit for the, uh, for the team selection they put out, despite the fact that there were three out. Uh, I still thought it was a pretty strong strong team, actually, and Palace, uh, Palace paid, really, for, for making those changes. Yeah, and having said that about so many changes, it was great to see some of the young lads uh, get a bit of a chance, Lee, wasn't it? You know, Adam Armstrong, he's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, it is a competition where you can't blood the youngsters. I mean, obviously, Man United, famously, that's how they started to blood their kids all them, them years ago, the likes of Scholes and Butt and people like that. So there is a case, but that was a special group of players. Um, obviously, Sammy Amiobi got his chance the other night as well. Armstrong, who was fantastic. And then Dummett come in again and, and put a shift in. I mean, obviously, you don't class him as a kid so much these mm. days at 23. It's yeah. his birthday today, by the way. <laughs> happy so, birthday. Happy birthday, yeah. Paul, if we're allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> and basically, you know, the jo- they've done the job. And, you know, Crystal Palace, we, c- we kind of talk too much about them. That's that's their business. But Newcastle, are, um, they're in the fourth round. Tough trip to Man City. And, but, you know, if, if they can somehow yeah. get through that, all of a sudden you're in the quarterfinals, the League Cup, and 90 minutes away from potentially two, a two-legged crack at getting to a Wembley yeah, final. Yeah. It's not much of a reward, though, it's is it? It's not much of a reward, but, you know, you'd, t- you'd take it. Of course, yeah, OK. Well, move- Wigan as well, last last season. I mean, we were all kind of talking about how Newcastle was facing this big thing, but Wigan did go to Man City and, and beat them last year. Yeah, they're beatable, they're beatable. And, yeah. You know, Newcastle get a lot of tickets for this game, and I can see the two Army turn out in force. Five or 6,000 at Eastlands uh, could, be a, could be a big night and one I'm already looking forward to. Brilliant. Okay, moving on to the game on Wednesday night. First goal for Palace. It's a soft pen to give away, isn't it? 
Yeah, Darrell Janmott, uh, funnily enough, we were all kind of saying that he looked like he was the most comfortable. He'd, he'd come in really and hit the ground running for Newcastle. But I think the last couple of games, um, there's a couple of questions about him. It was, he didn't, the first first time I saw it, I didn't actually think it was a penalty. Um, I just thought it was incredibly soft. But then you look back at it and, and it probably was a penalty, mm-hmm. although it was a bit marginal. But the most worrying oh. thing was Zahar was going nowhere. Yeah, didn't need, to make the, yeah. didn't need to make the challenge. Um, and, and it would just look like a player who's maybe just confidence has been knocked a little bit. And I suppose that's one thing that, that, uh, that Alan Pardew just sort of has to just be a bit careful with. Um, but then Matthew Debussy had a had a sort of up and down start at Newcastle. And I think Jan Mark's a, a class player, you mm-hmm. can tell, and I think he'll be fine long term. Yeah, but from a soft goal to a very special finish, that's some strife by Riviera, and that's what we've been waiting for him to do all season, like. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, I think he's made a lot of good runs that I've gone unnoticed at times. Um, I don't think he's had good service in in the opening kind of six games he's been involved in, uh, but obviously. He showed what he can do with that finish and then showed he's still got the confidence to step up and take a penalty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been a slow start for him, but I think mitigating circumstances, he hasn't had the service. And, you know, when you consider it Monaco, he's partnered by the likes of Berbatov and Falcao. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, we're going to see there's more come from him. You know, I've done a very interesting article with uh, Olivia Bernard this morning um, discussing his kind of strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was all, all positive, really. And Bernard's obviously seen him play in France and, and he feels he's going to push on now and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, Lee, you know, he dispatches a penalty 2-1 up and then another late equaliser for Palace. We've seen that before this season. Is it bad defender by Newcastle, Mark? Or are you, were you thinking that they look quite good on Palace? I think... I think Newcastle's defensive performance was kind of a it's kind of a funny one because I don't think they were they were that bad defensively against Hull despite conceding two goals. I mean they were they were fantastic goals, but they are making uh, little individual errors, which is kind of you know which, which they've really been made to pay for. Um, I don't know about Newcastle defensively. I think still one or two questions. I know the manager was keen to kind of. Uh, Keen to sort of draw, like talk about Colicini and how well he played, which which is fair enough. But I'm not sure Newcastle defensively are, are there yet. You know they haven't got a lot of options. Stephen Taylor was was okay on 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 Wednesday. I think he's still got a long way to go. But yeah, I do I do have a couple of concerns about him, especially at centre back, where it does look like you know they're just making one or two like daft errors, and when confidence is low, as it has been so far this season, you know they're getting they're getting punished for that. Yeah, and speaking of errors. Is it a soft sending off an extra time, or does he deserve to go? Well, if you're looking at the incident itself, you know, I I, I think he probably dived in when he when he should. Now, when you're yeah. on a yellow card, you should. I mean, it's inexperienced because he's a young boy. But when you're on a yellow card, you you really got to rein things in and just do your job. You know, don't overcommit. I think what he got actually sent off for was a gesture that he made to the referee mm. just after the tackle. Um, I do think if you look at the replay again, and uh, you know, I tweeted this the other night, and I was getting a little bit of stick, uh, you know, as usual. <laughs> and uh, I think Beads kind of left his foot in a little bit as well. And I think he's left the referee in no doubt, you know. And Zahar doesn't really need a written invitation to go down. No. He's going to roll around all day. So I just think inexperience, hopefully, he learns from it and pushes on because he's a player that he's been written off a couple of times now, Abid, mm. and. 
he seems to keep making these little comebacks, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think you know, you could say harsh, but in other ways, just a little bit silly, really. I think, which is what mm. Peter Lovenkrantz was alluding to in his. Yeah. His um, we'll talk. We'll talk about the whole game in a little bit, uh, but. One thing I noticed on Wednesday was the fighting spirit. Once again, was on show from from ten ten men going against Palace. They've got the tails up. Andy Johnson was back. The crowd was right behind the team. And then Paul Dummer produces something that you don't see enough in modern football: diving header, get in <laughs> back of the net, two army going mad. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Uh, fantastic. I think you know Paul Dummer. If you want, if you want to cause a debate in a pub, just mention his name because. Uh, Seems everyone wants to have an opinion on him at the minute, mm. and really, there's no such thing as bad publicity from from what he's concerned. I'm not convinced, you know. I'm not saying Paul Dummett's the greatest player in the world. I think we've already touched on this on this podcast before, haven't we? But we'll, yeah. have, we'll have another nibble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that you know he's a he's a local boy, and that doesn't necessarily mean he should walk in the team. But he's you kind of say he's not committed. I mean that diving header. Surely was yeah. an example that he's put his head there where some people won't put their feet. Yeah, he's got the winner just when it was needed. I mean, obviously, Mark Paul Dummett, he does get a lot of stick. I mean, some people have kind of said it, there might be a bit of jealousy in there from from young lads his age who who would love to be in his position. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, you're you're a bit more neutral than me. Can you give a bit more of a what what you see of it from the sidelines? Well, I think I think the thing with Paul Dummett is that um, you know there might be a little bit of is it snobbery? Is that the right word? Because he because he came through from uh, via St Mirren as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I think Adam Armstrong's going to get and Andy Carroll uh, going going a bit further back. They they were always seen as, you know, wow, these these are prodigies. These are guys mm. who like. I mean, Carroll was in the team and I mean looked looked the part really from the start uh, when he was in the championship. Armstrong looked the part as a seventeen year old. Dumas had to go a little bit of a longer path there. Um, and maybe we just need to unstitch a little bit of what we kind of think about Dummett because I must admit, you know, last season and, and for the start of this season, I'd always say Hadara over Dummett because I think Hadara is a more naturally gifted player, more technically adept player. But I think on form now, I don't think you can make a case that necessarily that Hadara deserves to be in over Dummett, although Hadara's done okay as well. I think, I think Dummett's, Dummett's given everything. So mm. yeah, I think you, 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 you draw a conclusion, don't you, about a player? Sometimes not necessarily based on their actual form, and, and but then Mike Williamson's kind of turned it around. So why can't Paul Dummett? Yeah, the local lads always seem to get more stick than you know the new new signings always get seem to be given more time. So it's uh, just like that you have at to every be club. Exceptional, think, you know? don't you? Now yeah. you have to be exceptional. Yeah. And, and um, but you know, I, why would you have any problems with a guy who comes in? I mean, that goal was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I thought he played well all night. I mean, yeah, just to, to throw a bit more spice into it, I think that you know. Hidara, you know, he's a decent player. Um, but he got he, the reason he got dropped was because the team had conceded seven in two games. So, you know, it wasn't just his fault, obviously. But not every player's going to... You know, Hidara's a young player as well. Mm. Not, not every player's just going to turn up every week and, and, and put in 10 out of 10 others. Mm. So so I think, you know, it's a good battle that's going on, really. I think that's that's one thing you've got to say. It's a good problem to have for yeah. the manager. Yeah. He's getting better, isn't he, Dummett? There's no doubt about that, in my, in my opinion. I mean, I got hammered, uh, actually, for, for putting it as one of my five things that, that we kind of learned from the game. Um, I said, you know, I think Dummett's kind of developing. And, and the most comment I got from it was uh, they didn't agree with point five. So, uh, I, you know, I was surprised about that because he played well. Mm. 
Okay, casting our minds back to the whole game, which seems like an eternity now. You know, the 2-2 draw, the 3-2 win, it gives the lads something to build on moving towards the Stoke game on Monday night. Yeah, I think they just need to stop the rot after Southampton. You know, let's be fair, could it have got much worse than Southampton? Uh, mind you, at 2-0 down, I was thinking the end is nice, surely, yeah. for, for Pardew. But we since discovered that he'd been told before the game that his place was going to be safe by Mike Ashley. So, so maybe he was able to make the decisions as manager without having them dark clouds above him. Uh, CC came on. Got the two goals, no surprise for me. CC got them. You give them service, you'll score your goals, simple yeah. as that. So, so they've got to try and take that on to the, to the Stoke yeah. game now. So, Mark, on CC, is he the striker that we've been calling out for? Yeah, I, do you know what? I was absolutely. I, I wrote a few pieces last year, and I think, like, I think everybody in this building was kind of of the same opinion as well that I didn't really understand why. And this is no offence to Shola, who's a lovely guy and, and a decent player, but Shola started a lot of games last year. Um, Papi Cisse didn't seem to get that same kind of patience. Newcastle had to turn to him uh, this this time around. I think he looked exceptionally sharp on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I think Lee's right. You've got to play to Cisse's strengths, and he's not a target man. Don't play him as a, a lone front man and, mm. and you know welly the ball to him because that's not his game. He plays with his back to goal, running onto things. That's what he did really well when he first came. Um, and that's what he'll do well now as a general rule. But when he got the chances, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, tactical genius that, that Cissé sort of slotted in and sort of, he just took the chances in the box. Newcastle were creating chances on Saturday and Cissé was there at the right time. You know, long term, they need to work out a system that actually benefits Cissé to, to get him in the right positions. But I thought, I thought Cissé was really good, yeah. Yeah, and in the build-up to the whole game, obviously the back pages and some of the front pages are dominated by the Sack Pardew campaign that was going on. I think the protest can best be described as subdued. Yeah, it it wasn't what, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be. My own personal opinion on it when it first circulated was that, you know, it it wouldn't be a success and and I I was proved right on the day. I think the wider concern for supporters isn't just the manager or the manager's position. I think people are concerned with the club in general. Mike Ashley's running of it. The main, the main issue is the lack of communication, which is is pretty poor. You know, they don't come out. You know, putting our, putting our situation to one side, uh, they don't come out and make statements. The owner hasn't had a chance to, mm-hmm. you know, do an interview. He doesn't want to do interviews. The managing director doesn't like the public limelight either, Lee Charnley. Yeah. So I just think the communication seriously needs some, some work. Yeah, it's just a real shame as well on Wednesday, like, just a little snapshot. And, and, and I think it's probably, you know, it's not necessarily the people on the ground at Crystal Palace, uh, you know, the staff employees on the ground, but it's just this general attitude that we're not going to, you know, we're not going to supply uh, newspapers with kind of players to talk to. So on Wednesday, for example, you've got... Dominic did absolutely sensa- you know, did, did sensationally well in that extra time. Newcastle had played well. Adam Armstrong had played really well. You know, you look at uh, the one or two others who, who I thought, oh, you know, he's a he's a good story today. He's a good story today. You know, we don't you don't get you don't give people the chance to talk to them. You don't tell their story, if you will. Fans don't. Fans are kind of you know they're like all of us. I want to know. I want to know a little bit about Adam Armstrong. Uh, I want to know a bit about Adam Armstrong, and I want to know a bit about these players. And, and by kind of cutting that off, which is what the club have done at the moment, they they're not giving the players the chance to kind of tell their own stories. They're not you know they're not shaping the agenda in the way that they should be because the agenda really after Wednesday should have been bloody hell 
Adam Armstrong did really well and mm. Newcastle did really well. Instead, you're kind of like, you're left talking, you're left dissecting what Alan Pardew said, which is you know, fine, but he's been the story all season. He's but tired, we isn't he, Martin? Yeah. He's yeah. tired of coming out with... Yeah. with, with yeah. Having to explain, and you can just see it and hear it in his voice. I mean, I know Robbie Savage got uh, <laughs> yeah. he got picked, picked out, out. yeah. Um, but you know, I, I could see where Robbie Savage was coming from because he, after Southampton, he did sound a bit strained, and mm. it must be quite galling to, to have to continually come out and try and explain. Yeah. And one of the things that the Sat Pardew website has done, which is uh, put all these quotes that Alan Pardew's come out with, which they say are contradictory and all of that. And, and you know, I, like, I, I do see where they're coming from because sometimes the manager does say some, some daft things, but if he's the only person for yeah. four years, pretty much, especially in the two years since Derek Lambias has gone or the year since Derek Lambias has gone, if he's the only person talking on behalf of the football club and he actually is talking about things that he doesn't actually have that much knowledge of, such as transfers, uh, the club, the owner and all that... He's going to make himself look stupid because he's going to, he's going to end up saying things that, that aren't aren't there, and and also then he's getting told off if he's saying things that uh, maybe his own own opinion. So I have a sort of, you know, I think this communication thing. It's like they're obviously doing it for a reason, mm. but I actually think it's completely and utterly self defeating because even all right, they don't want to talk to us yeah. now. They don't want to talk to anybody. Well, that's absolutely just pathetic in my opinion, and I just think. They've made a, a humongous error there, and and you know it will at some point again. It will come back to bite them. Okay, so looking forward to Monday night then against Stoke. Um, I would expect that the protest probably won't resurface there. Uh, but going through Stoke's stats so far in the Premier League this season, they've beat Manchester City. They've been beaten by you know title contenders Aston Villa, <laughs> um, and also lost to Leicester as well. And they've drawn against Hull and QPR. From that, you read that they're a solid outfit. But it's not unfeasible that Newcastle go there on Monday night and pick up a result. You know, it's a, it's a funny ground to go to um, the Britannia. You know, the, the fans do seem on top of you there. Uh, they can make it a real intimidating atmosphere. But, you know, Newcastle need to get off the mark. And I think, you know, we'll have had a, some success there on a, a Monday night before when Denver Bar got a hat-trick. Maybe it's the, the night that, that CC kind of steps up to the plate for that one. I've observed their results... Just like you were saying there, they haven't won at home. Um, but then they go to Man City and produce a, a great performance. So, yeah, hard one to call. I, I, I think if Newcastle opt for a front two and play Riviera and Cissé, I think that will give them a good chance to, to maybe get something. To be fair, I'd probably take a point out of this one because it's just a steady build-up. It's probably not ideal, mm. but it's another little kind of step in the right direction. Um, and hey, if they win, brilliant. But I, I would take a point from this one going in, going into Swansea, which is another mm-hmm. another tough one. And then obviously Leicester after that. I just think Newcastle need to look at the next three games and try and pick up, you know, five or six points. Yeah, it's it's a funny one with um, with, with Newcastle this season. Like I kind of said in the Southampton podcast, and then ended up looking absolutely stupid because they were played so badly. But I don't think Newcastle. Are, the 20th best team in the Premier League. It's not the 20th best squad in the Premier League. It's probably about the 11th or 12th best squad in the Premier League and um, because they didn't get the strike from the centre-back they needed. But I think Newcastle are, you know, are more than capable of going to Stoke and winning. I think with a bit of confidence behind them, you'll start to see them climb the league. I, I don't think it's kind of dismal and doom, as doom and gloom as, 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 you know, as kind of some people were saying after the Southampton game or... You know, probably we were kind of worrying about them. They do seem to have stopped the rot a little bit. Um, Stoke's a winnable kind of game. You know, they're a funny club, aren't they, Stoke? You know, they, 
Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think they'll get something out of the game. Um, I think probably a score draw, I'm going to OK, gonna well, you've told me both, both of you are going for uh, draws. Is that, like, finish this off with a prediction then? I want to score line, Lee. Well, no, hey, if I could predict football results, then <laughs> maybe I wouldn't be sat here. But I, I think, you know, a draw is feasible. I, I do think Stoke have got the, the firepower to get something themselves. I, I can see a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2. Two, two. Mark? I think um, a nil-nil for the month for the Monday night uh, for the Monday night audience. Uh, Newcastle finally solid. Uh, Stoke can't score goals. Newcastle solid enough. Um, Cisse might come. I think I, I think Cisse if he comes off the bench, you know, he might might nick one at the end. But yeah, I'm going to go for nil-nil. Poor <laughs> <laughs> draw. All right. Well, that'll do us for this week. And uh, join us on Tuesday when we'll dissect the Stoke game. 